Romans chapter 5, also up on the screen. I'm just going to read verse 2. If you've been with us now for the last couple of weeks, we are really jumping off our our Holy Week series. Um, Our message on Easter Sunday uh, was called the the greatest day in history, speaking of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And really this whole series has been focused on our new life in Jesus Christ as a result of the resurrection of Jesus. And we've been talking about what does that new life look like? What are the implications for you and me when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ? What now? What next? What does that mean? What does that look like? Look like? And we've been exploring that over the last couple of weeks. And, and believe it or not, we've been in verse one, I think, for like two or three weeks. And so we are moving on to verse two, just the first part of verse two, though. So let's look at uh, Romans chapter five, verse two. Through him, speaking of Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Let me read it one more time. Remember verse one, therefore, having been justified by faith, um, we have peace with God. And then it says, through him, through Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Holy Spirit, I pray now in these next few moments together that you would help me to speak your word with incredible boldness, with clarity, with simplicity. God, as we continue to explore the wonderful, blessed benefits of our new life in Jesus Christ, I pray that you would strengthen our relationship with you, Holy Spirit, that you would just stir in us a greater passion, desire, and longing to follow you, to serve you, to be your hands and feet in this world that you've called us to. And Lord, we do thank you for the access that we have into your presence. And Lord, we'll explore that more here this morning. But I pray, God, that you would help me to decrease, help you to increase and be the focus of our time together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Access denied. How many of you have seen those words, whether it's on a computer screen? Uh, uh, yes, some of you. Uh, maybe it's a, a gaming situation. Um, maybe you were just trying to get into something and, and you entered in a password and every single time you entered it in incorrectly and these words pop up on the screen. Access denied. These are some of the most frustrating words to me that ever appear, especially on a computer screen. Um, I think we've all encountered them at some point. Just this week, uh, I was getting onto my computer trying to access uh, my Google Drive where I have several shared documents trying to update things for church. And, and as I got on, I kept getting this message, this frustrating message that said access denied. And I'm like, what in the world? Why did, did something happen? Did I do something? Did I enter in a password I wasn't supposed to? I couldn't access my documents. Access denied was the message it kept giving me. Incredibly frustrating. Uh, I couldn't do what I was trying to do. I couldn't get access to what I needed to get access to. And, and, and some of you probably have felt that same frustration before. You're just trying to do something very simple And those two words pop up on the screen, access denied. So frustrating, so difficult to deal with. But when we think about these two words, let's let's go a little bit deeper this morning. For centuries, this message, these words, access denied, really have defined the communication line between a holy and perfect God 
and humanity. Access into God's presence, as we looked at last week, and really we've explored over the last few weeks, access into God's presence was denied. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered the equation, Adam and Eve, what happened? They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Their access to God, their, their communication with him, it used to be perfect and flawless. And remember, they would walk together in the garden and they had intimacy, they had closeness, they had this beautiful relationship. But when sin entered the equation, immediately Adam and Eve, they're kicked out of the garden. And then all of a sudden, the access they had to God, they used to have, had been destroyed, had been cut off, it had been marred because of sin. This direct access that Adam and Eve once beautifully uh, shared with God no longer existed how it used to. We talked about relationally. Remember, humanity became far from God. We used to be we, we used to have intimacy and closeness. Adam and Eve did in the garden, but they were kicked out of the garden because of sin. And due to that, the intimacy that they once experienced was no more, and their communication with God was cut off. Yet the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I keep coming back to this every single week, because we looked at on Easter Sunday how the resurrection of Jesus was the greatest day in history because it changes the trajectory of everything. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. It gave you and me and all of humanity, it gave us new life. It gives us a fresh start a new relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. Therefore, therefore, it is reason to celebrate because of the resurrection of Jesus. We've looked at over the last several weeks, and I won't bog you down with these details again, but we looked at what, what it means to be justified. Remember, our, our legal status changed. It changed from being guilty sinners, guilty, unrighteous sinners, to be declared not guilty before God. When we step into Christ and we place our faith in what Christ has done, it has nothing to do with what I do, with what you do. It has nothing to do with our goodness or how much we give or how much we attend church. It has everything to do with God and what he's done through his son, Jesus Christ. But when I place my faith in Jesus, I am justified. And that means my legal status before God, it changes from being guilty to not guilty. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. We looked at um, last week how our relational status with God changes because of the resurrection of Jesus. When I place my faith in Jesus, when I am justified, when I am declared not guilty, I used to be an enemy of God. I talked about how there's this chasm, there is this gap, there's this hole. We're over here as enemies of God and we see where God is, but we have no way to get to him. But through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, we were once enemies, but now we've been brought near to him. That's why Paul says, therefore, having been justified by faith, I can have what? Peace with God. And that peace is referring to our relational status. We, we move from being enemies of God to being declared friends of God. Today, though, we're going to spend just a few moments really discovering that the line of communication that was cut off because of sin, that was marred because of sin in the garden, it can immediately be restored for the justified believer. Let me read it again, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, Paul says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, 
through Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This is what Paul is saying. We have obtained. This is the benefit. We're talking about the blessed benefits of our new life in Jesus Christ. And we've talked about our legal status changing. We talked about having peace with God. Now we're talking about how we have obtained access our communication with God has been restored. We've, been, we've had obtained access into this grace in which we now stand. I wanna talk about this access just for a few moments. I'm gonna talk quickly today, but I wanna talk about the beauty of this restored access, how we obtain it and its ongoing effects for you and me and all of humanity. Number one, Christ is the one who grants us access into God's presence. I think you've probably noticed a theme over the last several weeks. It has more to do with what God has done through Christ than it has to do with what I do in my own goodness. And I'm thankful for that because I I miss the mark often. And and I'm certain there's nobody in this room that's perfect. Um, Maybe you're perfect for a day, but probably that's about as far as your perfection goes, all right? I'm not gonna ask you to be honest this morning, just it's between you and God. But, but when we think about this new life, the blessed benefits that are, that are ours in Christ, it has everything to do with him. Christ is the one who, gra- who grants us access into God's presence. Let, let's look at it one more time. Romans 5, verses one through two. Therefore, having been justified by faith, you and I, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, this is what I want you to see, verse two, through whom we have also obtained our introduction. This is a little bit different way to phrase it. Our introduction by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Let, let me paint this picture for you this morning. Before Christ even comes into the equation, so let's go, let's go back before, before Christ, before we've, we've become a justified believer. Here's the reality. You and I, we are all unfit and unable to stand in God's glorious grace through our own strength or through our own merits. There is no way apart from Christ, there is no way that you or I could come into God's presence because God cannot dwell, a holy, perfect God cannot dwell with an unrighteous, guilty sinner. So there is no way that we can come into his presence apart from Christ. And so before him, before Christ comes into the equation, you and I, we are unfit. We're unable to stand in his glorious presence, which is why you and I in all of humanity, we desperately need someone to introduce us or someone to grant us access. So before Christ, those two words, access denied, describes our our means of communication with God. I can try everything in my own power. I can, again, I can show up to church on Sunday, on Wednesday. I can come to every prayer meeting. I can serve at every event. I can give above and beyond the tithe every single week. And and, and if if I don't have Christ, if I don't place my faith and trust in him, I'm gonna see those two words show up, access denied. But Christ changes everything. He is the one that introduces us. He's the one that gives us and grants us access into his presence. That introducer, is Christ himself, through whom, speaking of Jesus, we have also obtained our introduction. Let let me paint this picture for you because I think this captures it pretty well. What Paul is really saying when we look at this verse, verse two, when it talks about um, in verse two, through whom we have also obtained our introduction. What, What introduction is Paul referring to? Picture that Paul is painting here 
is one who offers an introduction for somebody who wants to enter the presence chamber of a king, of a monarch. I mean, in ancient times, most often, especially in, 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 in Old Testament history, if you wanted to come stand before the king of the day, you couldn't just come on your own whenever it felt right or when you wanted to ask him a question. You didn't have that type of access with the monarch, with the king. You couldn't just come and stand before the king and say, here, can we have a conversation today? Hey, um, can we go out to lunch today and, and talk about a few things? They did not have that kind of access. They, they needed to be granted permission. They needed somebody to grant them access to introduce them to the king and give them permission to come into his court. And so if you wanted to come into the presence chamber of the monarch, of the king, if you wanted to talk with the, the king, the sovereign one of the day, you had to have somebody that would introduce you, that would give you access, that had the password, that had the code that could get you into the presence chamber. And the same is true for you and me when it comes to our, our access to God. We need somebody to grant us access, to, to open the door, to introduce us into the presence of the king. And that someone is Jesus. Because of what he did at the cross, because of his resurrection, he has granted you and me. The, the communication line that was marred because of sin has now been restored. And through Christ, we have obtained, as Paul says, we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. But here's the problem. The problem is that many of us, we continue to neglect the introducer, Christ himself. And we try on our own. We try to gain access apart from him. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it won't work. Every single time we try to get access into God's presence apart from Jesus Christ, I can promise you those two words, access denied, will appear. Certainly, he wants to dwell with his creation. Certainly, he's near to us. But, but to come into his presence and to access him and, and to experience his goodness and fullness, we come to him through the person of Jesus Christ. We've mistakenly attempted to obtain this introduction through our own goodness. Think about the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they mistakenly convinced themselves that pious living would somehow grant them um, access into God's presence. And they missed the fact that it was through the Messiah, through Jesus, that they could have access into God's presence. Fortunately, there's even some that don't even desire to stand in God's presence. What an incredibly sad state to be in, that there's no desire whatsoever to be in God's holy and perfect presence. I think if you, if you read through the Old Testament, you will see that God made provisions all throughout the Old Testament because sin marred that communication line, because access was, was limited in the Old Testament. God, all throughout Old Testament scriptures, he was making provisions for his people to at least at some level draw near to him. That's why there was the priesthood that was established. But only once a year, the high priest would go into the most holy place on Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, and he would atone for the sins of the people. But just one time a year, people had to get their acts together. They had to offer sacrifices before they could come into the presence. There was a sacrificial system. There were laws that were put into place. 
to help restore the communication line, but they were all incomplete. I want you to hear that. They were all incomplete and they were all precursors to the true introducer, the one person that would give you and me immediate access into God's presence, and that's Jesus Christ. So when we cling to Christ, when we have faith in him, through him, Paul says, we have obtained access into this grace in which we now stand. So when we cling to Christ, he will grant us access into his glorious presence. So then this question I ask for all of us this morning, am I clinging to him? It's my faith, my confidence, my trust in him and him alone. Or am I trying to get access into God's presence through my own goodness, through my own merits? If so, I would encourage you, cling to him, and then you will have access into his presence. Number two, and I'm going to give these to you quickly. Number two, this access into God's presence, this is key. It's continual. Did you hear this? His access into God's presence is continual. One author says this, Christ bringing us to God, it has a continuing effect. It's ongoing. It's not one and done. Before Christ, we've already kind of referred to this, access to God's presence, it was very limited. Again, the the high priest only one time a year could enter the most holy place and offer sacrifices for the people. There were, in the Old Testament, there were select called ones that that had a a little bit more access to God than others. Elijah and Moses and, and David and some of the judges. Remember, the Spirit of God would come upon them for a season, but then he would leave. And so we see that there is some access, but it's very limited in the Old Testament. We see this even with Moses. When Moses is ascending the mountain, remember, to receive the law, um, Moses is allowed to go further than the people down below. Moses is allowed closer to access, but that access is still very limited. But Moses is allowed to go closer into God's presence. We read about this in Exodus 19. Listen, the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. Moses went up. The Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. For you yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priest and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against him. So Moses went down to the people and he told them. So you see, even with Moses in the Old Testament, he had, he had a unique access to God's presence that nobody else did. But it was very limited and specially limited for the rest of the people. They had to stay down and they had to really just glean from what Moses experienced and what Moses heard. We know in the Old Testament that prophets and priests, they seem to be God's means of communicating with his people. But then we get to Hebrews chapter one, and and that appears to change. Hebrews one says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. But in these days, he speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and, And so again, in the Old Testament, access is limited to some. But then when we get to the New Testament through Christ, access then becomes continual. There were certain rites that had to be followed before one could enter the tabernacle. Before you can even present an offering to the Lord. I mean, you had to clean yourself up. You had to clean the sacrifice. Uh, You would spend all day just preparing for a short moment to experience limited access to God's presence. It was a chore. It was difficult. It was hard. And it was very, very limited. 
The availability of God's presence was limited before Christ, but through Christ, through Jesus, access into his presence is continual. Obtained access, that that phrase, it's in the perfect tense, which indicates that the access that we now have, folks, it is ongoing. It's continual. I don't have to get some sacrifice ready. I don't have to wait until the right time of day before I can come into God's glorious presence, his presence, his access to his presence. It is ongoing, which leads me to the third thing. And really, I think the most practical of them all. And that is this continual access into God's presence. It has huge implications for you, for me, for all of humanity. What are those implications? Number one, we always have an audience with the king. Everybody say always with me. Say always, always. We always have an audience with the king. If you've tuned me out for the last 20 minutes, if you missed everything else I've said this morning, I want you to catch this. We always have an audience with the king. Time of day is no factor. It doesn't matter if it's 3 a.m., 3 p.m. Doesn't matter if it's Monday, Sunday, Saturday. It doesn't matter what part of day it is, whether it's early or whether it's late. We always have an audience with the king. There's no proper ritual cleansings that we have to go to uh, that, that, that give us access into God's presence. I don't have to, to go shower before I can you know, spend time in prayer. I mean, if you want to do that, certainly do that. Um, but it's not a requirement. Time of day is not a factor. Proper cleansing rituals are not necessary. And I want you to hear this, just in case you didn't know this. God doesn't go on vacation, all right? We always have an audience with the king. He doesn't clock in at 8 a.m. and clock out at 4 p.m. And if we miss that window, we have to wait till the next day. You and I, because of Jesus Christ, we have this, we've obtained this access through faith in, in this grace in which we now stand. This access is ongoing. The psalmist says in Psalm 5, listen with the psalmist, oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning, I bring my request to you and I wait expectantly. It doesn't matter if it's in the morning. It doesn't matter if it's in the evening. I don't care if you're in the car. I don't care if you're at work. We always have an audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Number two, we can boldly and we can confidently approach God. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter three, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into his presence. Maybe you're one that's really struggled with shame or guilt or fear. And you think, you know what, until I can get my act together, there's no way God wants to hear my voice. Maybe you have this very sordid past and you think, you know what, until it's all cleaned up, There's no way God wants to hear me. There's no way God is going to even speak with me. Maybe you're in this room and you, for whatever reason, maybe it's been several years since you've really had any type of communication with God and you think, you know what? He's not really interested in me anymore. I've been gone for 10 years. Not had any 
communication with him. I've not talked with him. I've not heard his voice. I'm here to remind you this morning. I don't care if there's guilt or shame or fear. You can still come boldly. Even after 10 years or 20 years or, or after a month or no matter what shame or guilt you're wrestling with, you can still today, because of the access that you and I have, we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence and know that he hears us when we pray. And if it's been a while, he's not going to scold you. He's going to rejoice. Welcome home, my son. Welcome home. It, it, it brings joy to his heart to restore that communication that he once had. This is a little bit of a stretch, but when you think about the prodigal son and, and the father, think about the father. The father is there waiting, and he doesn't scold the son for, for taking all of his money and, and living his life as a wayward son. Instead, what does he do? He throws a party. He, he's excited. His son has come home. He's rejoicing because that communication has been restored. So I'm here to remind you this morning, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can come boldly and confidently into his presence. We don't have to fear. We don't have to worry about, you know, does my past failure disqualify me from even approaching him? No, it doesn't. You can still come boldly into his presence. And the certainty of his faithful presence must be our focus. Number three, the implications of this access. We can receive the necessary resources to help us in our time of need. There's ever been a, a time that you've gone through a situation where you need help, where you need resources, where you need somebody to really pour into you. And maybe for you, you run to a dad or a mom, or maybe you run to a neighbor or to a friend. I'm here to tell you that there is one who is waiting, waiting for us to run to him. And every single time that we come into his presence, Scripture is very clear. We can be assured that we will receive the necessary resources to help us in our time of need. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, in his throne room, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Folks, that, that's a, that is a promise. When you go into the throne room of God, you're not gonna have to, to start digging around looking for the resources to help you. You're not gonna have to like, you know, open up all of these drawers. It's not lost, it's there. <laughs> when we come into the throne room, when we come boldly, there we will receive mercy and there we will receive grace to help us in our time of need. How many of you have ever needed grace and mercy at some point in your life? Hopefully, all of the hands are raised. Seasons of trial and trouble as grace and mercy are available to help. Seasons of uncertainty as grace and mercy are available to help. Seasons of victory, joyous times as grace and mercy are available to us. We can receive those resources. That is the benefit of having continual access into his throne room. And finally, number four, we can experience fullness of joy. Now, certainly here on this side of eternity, there's still a limiting aspect to that joy. Before we meet Christ face to face, scripture is pretty clear. The psalmist says you 
make known to me the path of life. And then listen, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Sometimes the best thing that we can do, and I'm not going to ask for hands raised of who in this room is stressed or anxious or uncertain about the future or struggling with something, but sometimes we run to all of these different measures to try to relieve the stress or relieve the anxiety or relieve the trouble. And certainly some of those things are good and fine, some not so good. One of the best things that we can do in times of anxiety or times of struggle or hardship, one of the best things, not one of, but the best thing we can do is to come into God's presence. Because when we do, perspective changes. We no longer necessarily focus on what's happening in front of me, but we focus on his goodness. We focus on his grace. We focus on his faithfulness. When we come into his presence, even in the midst of hardship and anxiety and fear and uncertainty, I can promise you, you will experience the fullness of his joy. And that's possible. That's possible because of what Christ did at Calvary because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of this new life that you and I have access to, because of that, we can continually come into his throne room where we will receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need, where we can experience the fullness of his joy. And and, and sometimes, and I just very, very pastoral, and then uh, worship team's gonna come in just a moment. But again, there, there may be things that you are presently walking through. There may be fears and uncertainties that you are experiencing. And maybe you are very, very anxious or very discouraged right now. And I, I want to just encourage you as your pastor this morning. And, and certainly there's other places you can go to. There might be good books to read. There might be other good resources. That's fine to supplement. But I want to encourage you this morning. Do not neglect time in God's presence. That is the best place that you and I can go to, especially in those seasons in life, because God will give us a whole new perspective. And even in hardship, we can experience joy because we are spending time in his presence. And he's made a way. He has made it possible for you and me to come into his presence. Folks, we don't have to wait until Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday every year to, to come into his presence. We can do it every single day. We can do it in our car. We can do it at home. We can do it in the middle of the night. And probably many of you have. There's probably been sleepless nights that that you've had and you woke up and what do you do? You start praying. You spend time in God's presence and he gives you a peace, a peace in that moment. 